welcome back to the Much Do About Rugby podcast, your weekly rugby podcast where we chat about everything rugby. In today's episode, we'll be talking through three things. The first of which being, should Sam Simmons be selected for England? Secondly, we'll be talking through some of our potential Lions bolters, including the possibility of Marcus Smith uh, seeing a Lions shirt. Third and finally, we'll be talking through the very controversial England versus Wales game. We're lucky enough to be joined by Joe from Cardiff, who'll be giving us his verdict from a Welsh perspective. And as always, if you enjoy the episode, be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube, follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if that's where you're listening. Should Sam Simmons be part of the England rugby team? Maxim, what do you reckon? Uh, I'd say, yeah, I think he should be part of the squad. Uh, I don't think he should be starting necessarily, but his form in, in the Prem has been really, really good recently. So I think, yeah, he he definitely should be part of the England rugby squad. I think it's a bit of a joke that he isn't at the moment, to be honest, based on his form. But yeah, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, Mac. I think he's got 12 tries so far in the Premiership, which is kind of ridiculous considering the next best person has six. I think last season, the top try scorer only got 11. So he's already beaten that and he's a back row. So Eddie's being a bit stupid by leaving him out because he's obviously a good player. Um, but yeah, I think I'm not sure about whether he should be starting or anything, but how is he not even in the squad being given a chance to even like train and see if he fits in? But what about you, Ed? Um, so I've written no. Really? <laughs> I've written no. And there's, there's a couple of reasons behind it. So um, basically, I think if, if you want to, so, so across the back row, you can play him like either at six or at eight. Okay. So at the moment, Billy Vinopola has literally just had his best match in an England shirt in about three years. So that shows me that Billy V is still holding that eight jersey. Um, mm. And I still think that Ben Earl and it, when Jack Willis is fit again, that, that you know, they are probably our best super subs almost. Uh, I don't think Sam Simmons would bring enough off the bench probably to, to really make an impact. Um, what about also, replacing George Martin with him? What about replacing fucking, what's his name? I don't know why George Martin was in. I don't know why George Martin was even in the squad doing get on the pitch against Wales. What the point? What is the point? Mark what Wilson. What's the point? Okay, so so Mark Wilson's obviously a six. Um, simple answer is here. No, Underhill's better than both of them. So therefore, Underhill stays in for me and is potentially one of England's all-time best back rowers. Yeah, I think I think Samson should still be given a chance to be in the squad though. Like, because you never know. Like Eddie might train, find like a really good way of working him into the squad, and then even if he doesn't bring off the bench, or he might not, and go, this guy's definitely not England worthy or whatever and then he just never but he hasn't really been given a chance I feel yeah the thing is he's obviously like he's obviously an eight and I feel like Eddie Jones sees okay they've got Billy Vinopola who's obviously we, we saw how well he played yesterday and then they have other alternatives to play eight so obviously he thinks Tom Curry can play eight uh, and then there's other alternatives in the back row still got look, Courtney Laws who can play back row and Marisoja who can both play back row so it's kind of like where I agree with you, Ed. Where, where does he fit in? But I feel like Eddie just has to find a way to fit him in, just because of his form. Well, look, okay, like you got you got Dombrant as well, making make staking a claim for the number eight jersey. Quinn's on very good form. Um, They're completely different eights, though. Dombrant's the the big. Yeah, like, and this is my Dan point. Is like quick, like he's this like, is my point. Like Eddie Jones obviously Eddie Jones obviously likes that target runner that Billy V is basically now. And Don Brandt offers that more than Sam Simmons at the moment, I think. Um, also, I think 
I, I don't know. Okay, here, here's a thought, and stop me if it's crazy, but play Sam Simmons at 12 while Billy, while uh, Manu Tuanangi's out. 12? Mate, you okay? Why would, why would you not? Why would you not? I'm sorry. Not he's not a 12? He's literally got the build of a 12 and like play Farrell at 10, play Simmons at 12 and stay at 13. That would be, that would be actually mental. He's a Mate, target. I'd rather see, you know, I'd rather uh, see play 12. Ben yeah, Earl would yeah. be a better 12 than Sam Simmons. Yeah, there you go. So like, Ben look, distribution got, you... is like actually good. Like his passing is actually really good. <laughs> ben Earl and Sam Simmons are almost like for like, they're both like rapid kind of yeah, similar, and, yeah. and can play eight. So why would, if they're like for like and they yeah, and you think that Ben Earl can play 12, Sam Simmons has obviously shown that he's got hands as well. He's got that hands and he's got that now so that he can play in the in the back line and in the wide channels. Otherwise, he wouldn't be scoring so many tries and making so many breaks. So I'm just thinking, if you wanted that kind of big ball-carrying 12, which England are kind of missing at the moment by playing Farrell, why would you not pick Sam Simmons as he's not as he's on such good form and keep Ben Earl on the bench as a good as a good finisher? Because, I would just prefer to have Ollie Lawrence. Yeah, because you just said that Sam Simmons isn't that big of a ball-carrying eight. So what <laughs> makes him a ball-carrying 12? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Neither's Ben Earl. But, but the thing is, you're never expecting your 12 to be as big a ball-carrier as your forwards, are you? Yeah, you are, though. Because like you have like Manu Tuolangi, who's probably a bigger ball-carrier than almost every forward. Yeah, but he's do we need a big ball-carrying eight is the question, I think. Yes, I think you do. Based on who who England have in the rest and of the you, pack, and you can't have Sam Simmons because he's not a big yeah. ball carrying eight. He would be a big ball. Yeah, then you just well. then, then they need to change That's, it up. Look, okay, it, okay. The the point is that a big ball carrying eight can go up against like I don't know Toby Falatau and CJ Stander and stand a chance of smashing them backwards like Toby Falatau did against CJ Stander. He actually smacked him back, and he's gone up against someone like of a similar size. But I, I, I just can't see Sam Simmons running into Stander and doing the same thing. But I can see Sam Simmons running at, I don't know, whoever plays 12 for well. But he's more like an Ardy Surveyor kind of guy. Like, Surveyor's, like, not that big. So why doesn't he play seven, then? Because Tom Curry's too good. And Tom Is Curry he... plays six. Well, Underhill plays seven, then. It doesn't really matter which side of the... The, like the the best back row at the moment for England is the one that we want to play, which is Underhill, Curry, and Billy V. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if I'd play sure. Underhill to be honest. Oh shut oh, up! I, Underhill would be my number one pick out of all of them. Underhill's literally he he is like he he actually leads the defense. Him and Marrow are the best tacklers in the Premiership, and I know Marrow's not even in 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 the Premiership at the moment, but like he was, and <laughs> he plays international rugby, so. Like, like Underhill is the best defensive player in in the league. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Yeah. So Mal and Max in final verdict: Sam Simmons, England, yes or no? Yes, in the squad. No, yeah. that's starting. Maybe agree, on the bench. Yeah, Maybe. I agree. I agree. At, at the current stage of where England are in terms of injuries, yes, a hundred percent. When England are at full strength, I don't know. It depends where, like where he would slot in but I feel like based on his form what how could he not slot in like even over Jack Willis and Bernal like he's in way better form than them realistically like so hmm. yeah a lot of, lot of yeah, are, Jack Willis is a completely different player though yeah I know but still you're picking you're picking like for like I don't I, you're picking them over each other yeah, yeah. so I don't know yeah I get you yeah 
And there we have it. So I think no, just to make that very clear. I don't I don't want him near the England squad. I think England have good enough players there already. And uh, they just need to start performing and then they'll, uh, you know, hopefully win a game. <laughs> um, right then, fellas. Lions Bolters 2021. Maliki, who are we thinking? God, give a shout out to the Irish boys. Got two in mind. One is, one's Cayman Doris. I think he's got concussion some concussion thing at the moment. So apparently he's going to be out quite a while, but I think if he can get back in time, he's definitely going to be an option for the Lions. And then also Hugh and Keenan. I think there's not much other players at fullback. Obviously Stuart Hogg is going to be the main fullback, but other than him, there aren't many other fullbacks really in my mind that could play. And Hugo Keenan has been pretty dang. Apart from, um, from Stuart Hogg? Yeah, I, I guess Stuart Hogg, man. <laughs> Right. So dumb. So yeah, I think him, him, and I think I think both of them are going to make the Lions. So they're my two bolters. Interesting. Maxin, Maxin, who who are your bolters? Bolters. Well, my first bolter, um, which would be if he comes back from injury, would be um, Jack Willis. Um, let's hope we can see him coming back from injury, but his injury looks really, really serious. Um, so I doubt he'll be back in times for the Lions tour, but. We all know what he can do, even when playing for England, like his turnovers game at the the breakdown, which unfortunately got him injured, um, has been really, really impressive. Um, so I would say Jack Willis. Um, the other one being an England player is also uh, Ben Earl, um, who I think could very possibly be a Lions at Bolter. don't know whether you class him as a Bolter, Ed. Um, but I think he brings something different to, to what a lot of the like mainstream flankers might might bring that you'd, you'd potentially want to see being set for the Lions. Um, he's got some serious pace. He's got great hands and he's really versatile. Um, so I definitely think he could bring something to the Lions squad um, that a lot of other potential flankers couldn't. Uh, I don't think he'd be a four for any player. He'll probably just play like some tests. Yeah. Uh, not some tests, think, but like some... I think, the, back, I think the back row is definitely the most competitive position for the yeah. Lions by far. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I've got, I've got a few in mind, actually. I've got two fly halves that I think are definitely on the way that they're playing both in premiership and for country one of them one of them for country um for the first one doesn't play international at the moment his his name is marcus smith um <laughs> so when, when you're thinking of, he's about the 10th choice lions 10 <laughs> when, when you're thinking when you're thinking about about lions bolters you're thinking about people who like are well outside you know uh, Mal, Mal and I were talking about this earlier. There's a guy called John Bentley who played for the Lions on the 1997 tour uh, of South Africa. And he played, I think he, he only played about once for England and he was a rugby league convert and only played four times for England in, in rugby league internationally. So that's, I think, what we mean more by bold to someone that's like not really on the international scene, has played a lot of premiership rugby um, and isn't really necessarily involved in the scene but has the quality and has the talent to like stand up and A, be a good part of the tour, which is apparently what John Bentley was. Like he was a really good person to have on the tour, personality, good banter, got on with everyone apparently. And I think Marcus Smith probably has that. He's young, he's impressionable. It'd be a great experience for him to go on that tour, even if he didn't play a test. I think someone like him, you know, and he's, he's, he's absolute quality. And the other person, judging by the way that, he, he played it in, in the England match is possibly Callum Sheedy, you know, with that amount of composure against England, what more could you want from someone on the Lions tour than someone 
who can slot into an international scene that quickly and, and quite comfortably in such a big match against England. I think that, you know, I'm not I'm not saying they're going to go on the Lions tour. I'm just saying they're possible considerations for fly half. Obviously, you've got your Owen Fowles, your Johnny Sexton's, your Finn Russell's, your Dan Biggers, who are probably your top four because they're starting for the for the nations at the moment. But I just yeah, think how, how many, how many are they the top? going to bring? I think you normally take like four. I think, but like to be honest, I, I don't even think Dan Bigger is a shoe in or Johnny Sexton. Yeah, because but that's I, my that's my point. It's it, yeah. it's like you I know you, if, if you're going to go if you're going to go with someone some something different. You know, it was like. Ben Teo hadn't really played that much for England and still stepped up and played Test on the Lions tour. Like someone like that who's playing really well for club and has kind of started to prove themselves in a in a club basis and possibly like also you're thinking about like Joe Simmons and Sam Simmons who we've already spoken about. Like they're seriously good players, serious serious quality, just not being selected for England for who knows what reason. Um, is going through Eddie Jones's mind. Maybe they're a little more certain than someone like Marcus Smith or Callum Sheedy. But at the same time, you know, if you're looking for something different, for someone who would be good on the tours, for someone who, you know, would needs a bit of exposure, really. Yeah, but know. I feel like when they're selecting a Lions squad, they're not like who want who needs this opportunity, right? Like I think Joe Simmons would be. I'd rather have Joe Simmons in a test against South Africa than Marcus Smith. 100%. Like, imagine, like, because uh, he's playing against, like, what, Andre Pollard versus Mark Smith, really. I feel like Joe Simmons would much be be better off. Imagine fucking Damien Delande, like, Jesse Creel, Lacanio Am running. Mark Smith defensively is actually all right, to be fair. Um, he's been quite good, but, like, in a test situation, I don't know. Like, imagine if you actually had to call upon, like, I'd, I'd be nervous. But Top compared to there, like, though, Skip, it doesn't need to be, doesn't matter how big they are, you just step. <laughs> But also, you're thinking you're thinking about you're thinking about young players as well because usually these these bolters, so to say, are, are, are usually young players that have have kind of only just sprung onto the onto the club scene. And this is where Martin Johnson, Will Greenwood, this is where they came into the picture. Like Martin Johnson had played like once or twice for England and then was selected for the Lions tour in I think it was '93. So. It, it's it's so interesting and Will Greenwood's another one of them as well like people, not many people know Will Greenwood's actually like a, a very experienced player for that 2003 World Cup he he was about 33 odd I think maybe 30 32 so it's kind of interesting hearing about those players that started off their careers so young um on on a Lions tour so when you're thinking about players like that I think the likes of Marcus Smith and even someone like Alex Dombrand who are playing so well are definitely like not out. I'm, I'm not saying they're in the picture. Alex Dombran is so far out the selection picture for Lions. I'm not saying he's out. He's he's not out the picture though, is he? He's Hayden not. Dons, CJ Stander, Billy Vanapola, Tulupe Falatao, four amongst them. Tom Curry can play eight. Like so many. He's never, he's not even getting close, mate. He's not even getting close. I'm just saying. I'm just <laughs> saying. The, they, the biggest Quinn bias I've ever seen ever. <laughs> let's put Chris. Let's get Chris Robshaw back in the scene, mate. Let's bring <laughs> him back. Bring him back. Let's get him there. Mike Brown. He's a he's a bolter. <laughs> but I'm just saying that combination of youth, like and 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 skill and quality, it, it can be enough to get you on a Lions tour. And then if they play well on the Lions tour, use that as their like call for England as well. So. 
I'm just, no. I'm just I mean, saying. I, I, I still have youth though. Like Tom Curry and Sam Underhill are like still really young. Oh come off it, mate. They're dead certs though. Like <laughs> they are shooing, so then they're, they're not. We're talking about bolters here. We're talking about people that possibly like have an outside chance of getting on the tour, but you know they're obviously people that have so much more of a chance but when you're talking about bolters it's it's that lack of chance and then they suddenly get chosen in the squad like john bentley i know <laughs> like, <laughs> like, John John bentley <laughs> go look him up go look him up because he scored a 60 meter try against the cheaters and it was mental and like he only he played two tests for the lions and he plays like six matches for England in combined league and union. That's it. That's all he played. Well, John, is, John Bentley, if you're listening, you're always more than welcome on the pod. We're, we're massive fans. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be fair, I'm only gassing him up because I did see a, a long video of, on him the other day and on, on the Lions Facebook page and it was actually really interesting. Um, but no, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think you can necessarily discard a, a bunch of like really good players just because yeah. they're playing on an international scene yet that's the whole point of a lions bolter yeah. like so they're, they're playing in form they're in, in, yeah, in yeah. good form but they're just and, not and you know we're looking we're looking at people like louis resamit now and and i think lots of people now would have him down for a lion shirt but the thing is i wouldn't I think i would would, still. would would you necessarily cast him as a bolter or duhan van der moer would you cast them as bolters no, no. they're just established. They're just established on the international scene already. Yeah, like, but Louis Sam has only got like five caps or something. So how no, is? I don't. I don't think Louis Sam is. I, I still don't think he'll be in the Lions squad. Mm. It depends. It depends how. They've won two games. Uh-huh. Like he's never had a. He's never had a standout performance against the Southern Hemisphere team. Yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't matter because if he's he like, played a Southern Hemisphere team, they, he, yeah, he they might. They might. They might take him on a. They might take him on tour. And just play him against like some random like one of the like sharks or whatever. Or bull, already, one yeah, of yeah. I mean, he's already played South African teams. To be fair, in in, in Pro Fourteen. So, what about Sean Maitland? He's been on a Lions tour before. George North. <laughs> would George would George North count as a bolter? He's he's out of the picture. To be fair, but you know he's he's what? toured before. No, George, George North is definitely making it. I'd say. Yeah. Is he? Do you think Gatlin will take him? Oh my gosh, guys! I think I think we got to do a, a, another episode on on our, our Lions squad selection. Lions that would selection. be that would be ridiculously yeah. difficult, honestly. Definitely. Marcus Smith and Alex Don Brand are going in mine, and that's all I'm saying. We are back with another Six Nations review. This time, just reviewing the England Wales match. Obviously, quite controversial. Everything that happened in it. So we're going to talk through it, kind of point by point. We are joined again by our good friend Joe, a Welshman. Just hello, to hello. things up a bit, a little bit, make um make us think a little bit more about maybe how biased we are towards England. Um, mm. But I think maybe we should just start off with possibly the most controversial moment of of the match and go straight into that first Josh Adams try. So Joe, if I come to you first, because obviously being a Welshman, yeah. Um, I want your take on it, I guess. Um, go for it. Um, yeah, so I mean, look, I can completely understand the controversy around all of it because England were in a huddle and the whistle went and they had to get back into line in about three seconds. Um, from my sort of perspective as a Welshman, it's a try because I'm Welsh. So it's <laughs> um, 
but <laughs> I can already see Ed getting annoyed here. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think as much as there is the controversy, and I can understand that, there's got to be a lot said for the awareness of Bigger and Adams and the fact that the kick was completely pinpoint. You know, he dropped that right on the line, right into Adams' path. And, you know, if he'd tried that and the ball had gone dead, we'd be having a very different conversation. Yeah, so, um, that's true. It would have been England's you know, luckiest George escape. Ford was on the way over there. You know, he was there to <laughs> at least attempt the tackle. So um, if he'd <laughs> taken it instead and dropped it down behind the line, then we'd be having a different conversation and England would be back into Wales' half within the first sort of, what, 15 minutes they'd be back down into Wales's half and the game would be equal at that point so um yeah yeah that would be my sort of take on it anyway Maxine give us an English perspective <laughs> uh I don't think it's a I don't think it should be a try like I think um, <laughs> obviously, obviously. <What? laughs> I just think no I just think it's like quite harsh on the ref because for me it's the fact that he's gone to Owen Farrell and said oh go and torch your team he's given him like 15 20 seconds which, like, I don't know how long a piece of string is that enough time, but he's clearly seen that Farrell's still talking to his team and then he's allowed play to resume, which for me is, like, quite unfair. But I don't think there's, like, a grounds in the law is there saying that that's not going to be a try. I just think it's harsh from the referee. Like, yeah, I think it's the ref just being a bit of a dick, really. Yeah. I, think but... it's all about, I think this this try is all about, like, sportsmanship, basically, and fair play, because... You know, you got to look at it like if England were given the chance to get in shape and get get in line, basically, would that that try been wouldn't have been a try. The answer, the answer is no. No, because they never the way, would have even bothered with the cross kick. Yeah, exactly. It's just clever, so, clever by especially by bigger. Because I don't know if you watch the um any of the commentary stuff like after the game, like bigger was like going, oh, it's time back on, yeah, it's time back on, yeah. And then he goes, they go, yeah, yeah, okay. So he's like pushing to get it started when he can tell England aren't ready. Which is pretty yeah. clever. But then Ed, it, it. yeah, Ed, along the same lines. And what's the difference between that and just like a quick tap penalty? They're not set. What's the no, difference? no, no. That's that's it's the fact that he told them to go away. Penalties part of the game, and like, yeah, we saw that later on with Hardy scoring a really nice try. Actually, that was a yeah. seriously nice try. Uh, quick thinking, something that Ben Youngs would do, and we've seen him do like tons and tons of times. Like it's just part of the part of the game, and it, that catches the defense unawares. But when the referee's told that the team to come in, basically, he's told them to gather and have a chat with each other and cut cut the penalties. Said and time then, off and as then, well. And then he hasn't even told them that time's back on. He hasn't even gone to them and gone like, "Owen, are you ready? Time time on." And he's literally just gone like, "Boop," and then mm. Bigger's kicked it. And it's fair fair play from Bigger. I completely I completely respect the Welsh. The Welsh players in this situation, they, you know, played played by what the referees' rules were, basically what the referees' ruling was, and that's absolutely fine by me. It's just the referee himself has basically taken all sort, every sort of like fairness out of that situation for England. I think, mm. but I think the one thing that really does kind of annoy me most about the referees' decisions in this particular circumstance, in the in this first try circumstance, is that. I think that the penalty to get like to give away that penalty is so marginal. If you look at it again, Farrell's literally there for what half a second, half a and second. Just a rolling away one. Yeah, he's he, yeah. he so so Farrell's been pink penalised for not rolling away. And honestly, I can't see how the ball isn't there to be taken by Kieran Hardy. Like if Wales hadn't been 
given that penalty, no one would have batted an eyelid. So yeah, yeah, that's agree. that's where that's where I'm really like a, a little more pissed off than anywhere. Like forget everything that happened after. I just think it was a very marginal penalty yeah. to begin with. And I think some of the penalties that happened in the second half as well. There's one that I can think of particularly, which was a bit bit more marginal. I, I don't know. We'll come on yeah. to it in a second. But Ed, I think the reason... So firstly, I think the reason he get, let them resume quickly, I, I think he was expecting Bigger to go for a penalty because he was holding the ball, as in go for a penalty kick. So he didn't even really think about it. Then it happened and he kind of fucked it. But I think um, just regard, with regard to like the breakdown... It was clear that he basically wanted, especially in the first like 30 minutes, he clearly wanted it to be like a fast free-flowing game. So he was like, okay, I'm going to ping anything that slows down the breakdown remotely, like even if it's marginal, just like absolutely no tolerance, just so it is a better game later on in the game. And I think to be fair, we did see that later on in the game, like all the free-flowing passages that we saw England play, like really nice attacking play. I don't think that would happen if, if he wasn't really refereeing the breakdown as he did because people will just be infringing at every breakdown of, as a 50-50 decision and get in their way. So I think it's kind of fair enough that he's that he's done that, but I'm not sure, like, I don't know, in that in that position, like, so close to the line, when it's that marginal, I'm not sure, but, yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, we saw Wales sort of fall foul of this in the, in the autumn, where, you know, we were giving away penalty after penalty after penalty at the breakdown because they hadn't caught up with the laws yet. Mm. And England sort of, you know... Um, were getting away with a lot more and they were working really well and using that breakdown almost as a weapon to get penalties. And I think it's just this sort of thing at the minute where referees, I think, just need to communicate better what their interpretation of the breakdown is so that when we do get to these situations, we're not having these chats about 50-50 calls and whether they've gone one way or the other because everyone can say, this is how the referees have done it, this is how it should be done. So... um yeah. yeah, but I do agree. I think a lot of the refereeing in the breakdown area has been inconsistent over the past sort of six to eight months. And uh, I think that needs to be tidied up. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's a good point, but I think like every referee, like, yeah, I think it does make it kind of interesting how a different referee is going to be like slightly more strict on a game. Like, I don't know. I, I think in my opinion, it's not that bad if like a, one ref is like quite lenient one time, but it's like playing the way that the ref is Refing, if you get kind of makes it more like interesting because you can't just get you can't just fall back on being able to like do those 50 50 charge downs like Mario does every time, like and getting away mm. with it every time. Like, if you're cutting that off because because that's just the w- way the ref is refing it. But, Mal, would you not say that that's if you if it's inconsistent across refs, that's bound to like favor a team in a game? No, um, yeah, maybe, but I think it's also like just playing what's in front of you kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so I okay. Here's another point about about the penalty. So I I, I will come on to it now, since we're on the penalty penalty count point. Like the penalty yeah. count was 14 against England and nine against Wales, I think. Uh, so obviously those extra five penalties basically making the difference. Um, I think there were like another couple of marginal penalties. I thought like, what? Just like what? Like Mako Vunapola <laughs> dives dives on the ball, and then gets penalised for playing the ball on the floor, even though the ball's in open play. He's dived on the ball and then, you know, he's got the ball basically. And then he gets penalised for playing the ball on the floor. I was kind of like, eh, it's open. It's, I mean, it's a bit of a grey area. But at the same time, for me, that's not a penalty. Maritoje landing on the wrong side of the line out. He literally doesn't impede anyone at all. For anyone in Wales, he doesn't go for the ball. He's, his arms are basically up in the air. 
and he tracks back around and goes and joins them all again. And he gets penalised for landing on the wrong side. And yes, Charlie Yules did that. And that Charlie Yules one was a penalty. But that Maritoje one, I'm like, that's one where, A, yes, he doesn't have to do it. But B, he's not really impacting the play. So, But, but would these penalties have made like the difference? Like, that, like these marginal penalties? I, think, I don't, I'm not even sure if they were. I think Wales probably still would have won. Like, like obviously disappointing them but I think yeah, I don't know I think I think because you think about it it got to a point where England were just chasing the game and like the way they were playing was as if they were chasing the game but I still think the Wales definitely deserved to win they were by far the better side overall I think like England showed attacking sparks but I still think Wales just definitely deserved to yeah. win the game I don't know do you want to talk I about the second penalty the second try Second try, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I think we'll come to Joe again first for this one because yeah, I've got... I, yeah, I've got, why not? I um, yeah, Joe, go for it. So, right, funny, funny story about this one. I was driving home when this was scored, so I had it on the radio so I couldn't <laughs> even see it. I had to pull over, stop, get iPlayer up just so that I could watch the replay because <laughs> I was like, what the hell is going on here? The commitment. Um, oh, absolutely. I was like, that. Nah, this has got to be done. Um <laughs> It's a really interesting one because in terms of the letter of the law, I had to then look this up as well because I'm not a ref. Um, in terms of the letter of the law, if it comes off your hand but touches your body before it hits the floor and goes backwards or forwards, it's not a knock-on. So technically, by the letter of the law, it's not a knock-on from Louis Rizamit that Liam Williams then comes through, picks the ball up and scores. Technically, however, you don't understand that law. Though. There is like, no control. There is yeah. no control from Louis Zamet grabbing the ball, dropping it onto his foot to kick it through. I think the point. So, the point of the law is that it's not a knock on because he's technically kicked it. Yeah, and this accidentally is though, he this accidentally is the issue. You've seen. So, I've seen loads and loads of knock ons given for that exact thing, where someone has not regathered it properly, has hoofed their foot onto it to try and kick it forwards. And uh, and it's been given as a knock on because they didn't have control. So it's another thing again where there needs to be clarity and there needs to be consistency. Well, I think we've seen it before as well, where it's come off like someone's head, and yeah. therefore it's it's like a header in football and not a handball or something. Yeah, like, same with it's... someone's chest. Who you know, there's been players who've you know moved their arms out of the way, dropped it down off their chest, and then fallen on it. But okay, this is where maybe I think we might need like some sort of law change, possibly something like where it needs to be More clarity. Some sort of intentional kick yeah. or, you know, he needs to be in control of it, obviously. Something along those lines, just a slight like, I guess you could, I mean, it's not going to happen often. It's not going to happen often, something like that, that A, leads to a try and B, happens at all. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a one-off, basically. So maybe there's no real need for it. And it's just something that happened. And it just happened to happen in England versus Wales, the biggest match of possibly the Six Nations. So, Mal, what are you going to say? I think you can compare it to kind of like grounding of a try. Like, I swear if a player has it in his hand and then he, like, loses control of it and then, like, hits it down afterwards, I swear that doesn't count as a try, does it? Or am I wrong? Do you get no, what I mean? Right, yes. Yeah. So if they lose control of it on the way down, like... Even it's kind of like that, you could say. Pressure, you know, if it hits the floor, then backs back up to their hand, then it's not a try. But if they have downward pressure on it the whole way, then it's a try. So it's like, it's all of these little grey areas that about are being in control of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
okay. think either way, so, it would be like, a villain. Yeah. So for that law, like, let's just say you pass the ball and then you just knock it on like 20 metres forward and then you can regather it and that's not a knock-on because it hasn't hit the floor. Yeah. So jumping back on another jumping back on another uh, on another Welsh one. Um there was a George North interception once upon a time, probably was against England, um, where he knocks it upwards. Yeah, I remember. Hand, runs after it and regathers it, you know. That is fine because he's juggling the ball to try and regain control of it because he's touched it again before it hits the floor. Whereas mm-hmm. if there was an English player in front of Louis Zamet who it hit before it hit his leg, then it's a knock on. So, mm. yeah, again, it's all over. over it. However, chuck it I will over a say, forward and regather it, and then that's fine. However, I would say England should definitely have been playing to the whistle there. Yeah, well, they, no, uh, you know, there were three or four English players around Lewis Reed no, just no. slowed down. I'm sorry, the, 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 the way that the ball bounced, like obviously, it, like, it depends which way you're running, obviously. So, Liam Williams is in full flight next to Louis Zamet, he takes off the gas a little bit, and then he's already running in that direction. Whereas, England players are kind of half running backwards yeah. and, and all that, so they, they don't really have the momentum. And it's and it's like a it's great play from Wales to get in that position to put the little kick through. Like this is everything goes back to this basically in this match. England had some really nice areas of attack, but when Wales attacked, they were clinical. And yes, they the referee made them a bit lucky, but like they were clinical and they got themselves in the right positions to win the game. And when they got themselves in those positions, they scored points. I think this is I think this has happened in the like the past two games well against Scotland and Ireland. The whole like red is it the red zone? Yeah. I can't remember. But they got Wales's red zone, whatever it's scoring. Pretty much when they're in the opposite twenty-two, they score a, a really high percentage, which is obviously some. I don't know if that's something they've been working on, but it's obviously something that's making the difference because they yeah. don't need to be having the ball the whole time. But when they do get the ball in the opposite twenty-two, they're scoring. Yeah. yeah. So just moving on quickly through the game, we got the Liam Williams try, obviously the second try. We got then a really nice try from Anthony Watson where England are spreading it both sides of the pitch and Jamie George gives a lovely pass out to Anthony Watson and uh, scores a good good finish against three Welsh defenders in the corner. Brilliant uh, try, that. Yeah. Brilliant. Mm, just classic, really. Like If you look at everything in that play, build up, that's everything that England want to be doing like yep. every time. But Wales did restrict us a bit from doing that and you know we gave away penalties. like Something like Johnny Hill... Going at the side for no reason at all. Um, Ellis Genge jumping off his feet at the right, just flopping on top. So stupid. Then you Genge got is such a liability now. Yeah. Then you got Kieran Hardy's try on 47 minutes just after half. That's pretty much where it started going. Wales is way a little bit more. You got a foul penalty and then Ben Ben Young's try on 61 minutes. So that try again was England in full flow. Lovely piece of play. Ben Young spots the gap. Little dummy, classic, runs through scores. Yeah, mistake from uh, Win Jones there. He was on the uh, on the pillar on the pillar for um, for Wales. He just moves off, uh, mm. opens up the gap for Ben Youngs, and he just walks straight through it. You know, you cannot let that happen at Test yeah. level. Ben yeah, Youngs is going to exploit that all day long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Wait, then, so did that make it twenty four all, Ed? That that made it. 24 all, I think. Yeah. So at, that, at that stage, uh, I was well, like, yeah, with the conversion from Farrell, that was 24 all. And that yeah. was at 62 minutes. Yeah. I just think in, I, at that point, I was like, yeah, England and 
We're just gonna win this. We're just gonna win. I was like, yeah, this is the point. <laughs> I was basically having a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was pretty confident. Then look, 66 minutes, Callum Sheedy penalty. 69 minutes, Callum Sheedy penalty. Yeah. 74 minutes, Callum Sheedy penalty. And then try from Corey Hill on 78 and 79, Callum Sheedy converts. So Callum Sheedy penalties. And they really and came through they... and put his hand up yesterday, Callum Sheedy. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Probably yeah, I remember also that Louis Samet nearly missed that. He did miss that try where he definitely should have scored. Oh, yeah. yeah. But they scored off it anyway. Like England touched it down over the try line and then Corey Hill went over next next play. So, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, what, what, what can you really say? Like Callum Sheedy slotted all his kicks. What a... What a game from him. Honestly, I think he was probably my player of the match, to be honest. Yeah, after coming on last week and having a bit of a, well, a couple of weeks ago and having a bit of a mare with his kicking, um, came on this time round and just, you know, put those demons to bed, slotted all his kicks, was really calm, put some nice little dinks through, started to actually, you know, pull England's defence around a bit, which has been, you know, very difficult up to this point for every team. So, uh, Yeah. yeah, he looked really strong. Okay, but my player of the game for England was someone who actually we've criticised quite a lot recently um, for being a, like not not up to match fitness and stuff and not looking like he was in previous previous years. Billy Vunapola had an absolute storm. I genuinely think he outplayed Falatau. Like I don't I don't I, I don't know what you think being a Welshman, Joe, but I I honestly think he had he was probably the best player on the pitch. I think. In terms of his impact in attack, like, Billy smashed it. Absolutely. You know, every single time he was running from deep, he was just getting himself some space, getting himself up ahead of steam, and he was making, you know, two or three Welsh players tackle him every time because they knew one of them couldn't stop him on their own. Um, The only difference I saw between him and Falatau, which is why I think Falatau might pip it, uh, was just, you know, his little bits of sleight of hand here and there and his his ability to appear around the park in open play instead of uh, they're kicking it to us and I've got 20 metres to run into someone, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, I, I have um, to agree with I've got to say, though, yeah, Billy Vinopolo really, really impressed yesterday. I think he really put his hand up despite the fact that he hasn't played in about six months. So, uh, yeah, he had a hell of a game. Yeah, so that's the final score, 40 to 24 to Wales. Um, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Much Do About Rugby. Uh, obviously, lots to talk about. Uh, still, probably we could talk about this for ages. Joe, thank you so much for coming on, mate. Thanks for having um, me. It's a pleasure having you on again, and uh, I'm sure we'll have you on when Wales play England. In nice the future, perspective. Absolutely. Um, I'll come back for like... Grand Slam chat. <laughs> <laughs> if you like the content, don't forget to subscribe and like the video. It really helps us out, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Rugby.